All right, so today I'd like to look, for us to look at a piece of scripture found in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus is delivering his famous Sermon on the Mount. I was really excited that God laid this on my heart because no matter how bad my sermon might be, it's about Jesus' sermon. So we can all leave happy. <laughs> it's going to be great. We'll focus on Jesus' sermon this morning. Uh, and specifically, we're going to look at a concept that he addresses that most of us are typically really fond of. We're going to look at revenge. How many of you guys like revenge? Right? Revenge is a dish best served cold. Yeah, we all know. We love revenge. Has somebody ever hurt you or embarrassed you or put you down and you just start to, you know, your blood starts to boil, you start to get angry? Do we have any tempers in here this morning? <laughs> lots of hands going up, lots of tempers. I can honestly say I'm not much of uh, a guy with a temper. You know, I've never put any holes in any walls or anything, but I have showed some pillows a lesson or two in my day when I've been angry. But I grew up with an older brother and a twin sister. And we fought and we bickered and I was not the one you wanted to pull a joke on, okay? I was not the one that liked to be the butt of the joke, that liked to get picked on or messed with and I was gonna come back twice as hard every single time. When I think about vengeance, I think about my high school soccer team. We were a rowdy bunch of guys. <laughs> if you took down one of our players, we were going to go for at least three years. We weren't even playing soccer anymore. It was all WWE, throwing chairs at people and putting people in chokeholds and stuff. Things would get crazy because you didn't mess with our guys. We were coming right back with vengeance. When I think about revenge, I think about um, in high school, I was on a youth ski trip and I had this really dorky youth pastor um, he was real weird. He was always pulling jokes on people. His name was Phil Wayman. Okay. <laughs> I can remember going on a ski trip and being in a hotel room, and uh, there was like a hot tub and a pool, and uh, we were all like, you know, dying to get in our swim trunks and go check it out. And uh, I think Phil was changing in the bathroom or something, and all our swimsuits were in there. And uh, I remember him just reaching out and handing everybody their swim trunks, you know, it was just kind of like through the door, like, hey, can you hand me my swim trunks? Can you hand me mine? And it got to me, and when I reached, it felt a little hard. It was like, those aren't my swim trunks. What is that? And I look, and Phil had handed me the bottom end of the plunger in the hotel room. <laughs> and to this day, that is one of the worst moments of my entire life. It was not funny. And I remember thinking for months and months, how am I going to get back at Phil? I've got to get back at him. I'm sure I did something along the way, and you know, we've swapped jokes uh, from then to now. Uh, <laughs> but I just go back to that feeling of, ooh, I just want to get him back so bad. It's the way that we think. We like revenge. We, we want people to get what they deserve, right? You can't treat me like that without me treating you like that back, right? That's the way that we think. It's only fair. But this is one of the concepts that Jesus addresses in his Sermon on the Mount. We're going to begin reading in Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. Uh, leading into these verses, Jesus has already been delivering this uh, awesome sermon. He's addressed the Beatitudes to these people. 
Um, he's told the people that they're supposed to be like salt and light on the earth. Um, he spoke about how he brings fulfillment to the law. Uh, he's elaborated on sin and uh, the consequences of sin. And he's preaching this really hard, convicting sermon that's changing people's perspectives and changing the way people see things. Then he breaks into this topic that we're going to focus on. So let's go ahead and start reading uh, in verse 38. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, You have heard it was said, it being the law, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Already we see Jesus preaching a message that contradicts our way of thinking. We love to see people get what they deserve. We love to see revenge and vengeance. We like to see the bully get beat up, right? The person who dishes it out the most, we want to see them eat from the same plate. And it's not weird for us to feel that way. That's how we think. That's what the Jewish law had taught these people to do. It said an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What you give, you get. It reminds these people that this is the law that they've built their lives on. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, right? It was this reciprocal retaliation. If you treat me this way, I'm going to treat you the same way back. If you take this from me, I'm going to take the same thing from you. But now Jesus enters the narrative. He shakes things up a little bit. He says, this is the way you've always handled being wronged and sinned against. But he offers a better way now. If you pay attention to the life of Jesus, this isn't a big shock. Jesus is constantly changing people's perspectives, disrupting social norms, and turning things upside down. A lot of people refer to the kingdom of Jesus as the upside-down kingdom because what he teaches tends to be backwards to how we think. He says the last will be first. Jesus was a friend to sinners. He says the greatest will be those who serve. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. These things don't make sense to us. It's not the way that we think. That's why we call the kingdom of Jesus the upside-down kingdom. He changes things. The way Jesus says to live life contradicts the way that we think in our sinful minds. So now what does Jesus say about this law of retaliation? He provides a new way to retaliate to those who sin against you. He says to turn your other cheek towards them. He says not to resist an evil person with more evil. He says, if someone takes your shirt and wants to take advantage of you, to give them willingly even more. If someone forces you to go a mile, go two with them. That part didn't make a lot of sense to me until I started running with Jordan Gwynn and Jared Marazzi. <laughs> Except they forced me to go four miles with them and then forced me to go another four miles with them. But let's look specifically at one thing Jesus says here. 
He says not to resist an evil person, but instead when someone slaps you on the right cheek, to turn to them the other cheek. To turn the other cheek. For a long time I heard this phrase, and to be honest with you, I had absolutely no idea what it meant. Okay, I I even said it all the time, like, well, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. I have no idea what that means, though. Uh, J.D. Greer writes about this concept in his book, Gospel, and he explains it this way. He says, in Jewish thought, the cheek was the symbol of relationship. Kissing someone's cheek was the sign of peace and fellowship. Striking someone's cheek meant that you were attacking the relationship. I've seen people play this game before where they stand across from each other and it's this competition and they slap each other in the face, taking turns as hard as they can until somebody loses. And I guess you lose if you back out or you black out or something like that. (laughs) Literally seen people just stand across from each other and take turns wailing on each other, smacking each other in the face. I've never understood games like that. I don't want to play a game that's just going to leave me unconscious or something like that. That's never made a lot of sense to me. Have you ever been slapped in the face before? That's a terrible feeling. You know, it starts to sting, and then your face gets all red and hot, and then you don't want to look, you know, like you're hurt, but it just kind of makes those tears come out anyway because you got hit in the face, and it's all embarrassing, and you're all hot, and it's just, oh, it's the worst feeling ever. I hate to call out Phil again, but uh, (laughs) I remember one time uh, at our church in Georgia listening to someone preach a sermon about staying awake in your Christian walk, not losing focus, not losing sight, staying awake and alert in your Christian walk. And I remember, you know, Phil, I'm like, I really look up to this guy and, and, uh, He's like my mentor, and he's kind of coached me and helped me. And so I walked up to him after the service, and I said, Phil, just, I need you to hold me accountable, man. Don't let me fall asleep. Don't let me lose sight of things. And Phil, right there at the church, just slapped me in the face. <laughs> I don't know if he even remembers that, doing that or anything. But it, it's like, I mean, I guess I asked for it, because I was alert. <laughs> I was awake. You know, it helped wake me up, but I remember being slapped in the face. If you've ever been slapped in the face, you know this isn't a good feeling, but it meant so much more in this time when Jesus was speaking about this. The cheek itself in this time held so much more significance. It was a significant symbol of relationship. So to smack someone's cheek would have been the ultimate sign of disrespect. Disrespect towards a relationship, taking somebody for granted, or displaying just how little you value relationship with that person. So what would it mean to turn the other cheek towards somebody? Would mean to re-offer them relationship. To take a blow on one side and offer the other side meant to re-offer relationship. Jesus says if, you, if someone were to smack you across the face to do you wrong, to sin against you as hard as they could, to turn the other cheek towards them with 
grace. So what does this look like for you in your life? Maybe it's being overly kind to that person who just seeks to ruin your day at work every day. Maybe it's um, offering another chance to that person who started a rumor about you, who started all that gossip about you. Maybe it's finding reconciliation with a person who ruined your childhood. Maybe it's going out of your way to provoke joy into the life of the person who stole all of your happiness. What does it look like for you to turn the other cheek towards somebody who does not deserve it? See, Jesus teaches us not to be passive to those who afflict us, and he also teaches us not to seek revenge, resisting evil with our own. Rather, Jesus calls us to show extravagant grace to people in their faults. Jesus calls us to push back with love regardless of what they've done to us. Paul writes in uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 21, he says, Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So what he's writing here is rather than winning this battle by pressing against your enemy with more sin, with more retaliation and anger and revenge, to overcome evil with good and to show them grace. J.D. Greer elaborates this verse a little more, and he goes on to say in the context of this verse, he says, the gospel does not tell us to be passive toward others in their faults. It tells us to be aggressively graceful. Aggressively graceful, a grace that doesn't make sense. We overcome evil with good. Overcome is a warrior's term. Paul is saying to go to war with evil and to defeat it soundly with grace. Jesus overcame evil in us through the grace of the cross. We will overcome evil in others by being to them what Jesus was to us. Jesus overcame the evil and the sin in us through the grace of the cross. We can overcome the evil in others and their faults by being to them what Jesus was to us, by showing them that same grace that we didn't deserve, that we received from Jesus. We know loving people who tear us down is not the natural reaction. It's not easy for us. Or maybe that's just me. But when somebody cuts me off in traffic and gives me the bird, my natural reaction isn't to hawk them down and offer them to buy them dinner or something like that. <laughs> if someone insults and belittles you and humiliates you, is your natural reaction to look them dead in the eye, to turn the other cheek and tell them how much you value relationship with them? To offer them a grace that they may only see in you that reflects the grace of Jesus Christ? That's not our natural reaction. But this is what Jesus is calling us to do. See, this message that Jesus brings is saturated in undeserving grace. It doesn't rely on fairness or somebody getting what they deserve. It relies on a grace that disrupts and transforms our hearts. 
What a challenging and convicting message that Jesus is preaching here. When someone does evil to you, show them grace. When somebody sins against you, turn the other cheek. Love them anyway. We know Jesus teaches to love and pray for your neighbors. How is that possible? That doesn't make sense to us. But this is the way that God has called us to react, to retaliate to others. I've asked what this looks like for you in your personal life, but what does this look like for us as a church today? What does it look like for us as the church body? Turning the other cheek is not going to be easy. You're guaranteed if you uh, follow Jesus and pick up your cross that you'll endure persecution, that you'll be mocked, that you'll endure hatred. So turning the other cheek is not going to be an easy thing to do. But it's what the way Christ has called us to fight back, to fight back and defeat evil soundly with grace. Turning the other cheek is hard, but fighting an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is a heavy burden to bear. I stumbled across something uh, Martin Luther King said about this. He said, the old law about an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. Fighting back, finding revenge over and over and over again will only blind you as well. An eye for an eye and a tooth for to a tooth does not get you anywhere. But showing the grace that you've received by Jesus to others can point them to Christ. The band can go ahead and come up this morning. See, what's beautiful about this message that Jesus preached here is that not long after this message that he delivered, he would go on to live this out by going to the cross to die for the sins of you and me and all of mankind. This message of turning the other cheek was preached by Jesus, but it was the premise of God's love all along. Look at the Bible. The whole Bible preaches this message. Think about it. From the beginning of mankind, we've rebelled against God. We've struck him on the cheek. We've spit upon him. We've rebelled against him. We've ignored his call on our lives. We've sinned against him. Disrespected him. All of this by an unfaithful people that he still desired relationship with. From the beginning of mankind to the cross, God had been struck on the cheek over and over and over again by mankind. But all the while, he was slowly turning the other cheek, would go on to offer his son Jesus to offer us relationship anyway. He would turn the other cheek and re-offer you and I and all of mankind divine, eternal relationship. Every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning.
as we reflect on these things we've talked about this morning. The altar's open. I challenge you to really look at this message that Jesus brings. To turn the other cheek. To love people who do not deserve it. It doesn't come natural to us, but it starts to make a little more sense when you see the grace and the love that Jesus offered you through his sacrifice on the cross. See, as Jesus was beaten and mocked and scourged and spit upon and crucified, he was simultaneously turning his other cheek to all of mankind to offer relationship to us, regardless of what we actually deserved. This is an aggressive grace. It's a grace that you and I could never deserve. It's a grace that pushes back against sin and is far greater than any of the sin in your life. Romans 5.20 tells us that where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace was too great for sin and evil to overcome it. His grace was far too abundant and far too aggressive, pushing through our faults. Can you believe that this morning? Can you believe it? If God's grace has never sounded too good to be true, you may need to look a little bit harder this morning. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it because grace isn't logical. It doesn't make sense. It's loving someone and wrapping them up when they least deserve it. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and this grace has never been real to you before. Let me tell you that God looked past your faults with an aggressive grace. He offered his son, Jesus, to die on a cross for your sins so that you could be saved and so that you could have relationship with him. You can have that relationship with Jesus this morning. The Bible says that he who calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Those who repent and believe upon the name of Jesus. You can leave your sin behind this morning and embrace a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can call out to God with a prayer like this. It's not some magic prayer that you have to pray word for word, just something from your heart to God, a little bit like this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know because of my sins, I deserve a place called hell. But I believe you didn't just leave me that way. 
I believe you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Jesus, I'm turning my life to you and I'm turning from my sin. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. If you pray that from your heart to God this morning, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or do anything embarrassing. But if you would, just take that connection card that you filled out earlier this morning and wrote, I chose Jesus. Write on that card, I chose Jesus. We want to see that. We want to know that. We want to celebrate that with you. The altar's still open. Continue to pray. Move as God leads you this morning.